Welcome to the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar's People's Parish, where we pronounce His power, pursue His purpose, and proclaim His praise. Enjoy this preaching. Amen. Okay, so just to remind us, um, I'll just go over a recap of some of the things we learned last week, and to bring to our minds the focus again for the month is the name of Jesus. And a Bible study series is um, spiritual entitlement. And spiritual well-being that we'll be considering today is a product of the finished work of Christ. So it's a product of the finished work of Christ. Uh, what I'll do is to also invite you, if you were part of this study last week, that you should think upon and just what are the three top things that you left away with last week? What were the three top things? And I invite you to use any of our social media platforms. Just write down, type in, take out your smartphones and tell us some top two things that you learned last week. And if time permits, we can just pick up a couple and just read out to us. Um, I will tell you um, my key takeaways and it was really, really an insightful moment with um, Brother Femi Pelwala. And a few things I took away was that certain things answer to principles, precepts, and not just to physical exertion of energy. And that um, beyond being emancipated, which is through propitiation, redemption, and the reconciliation works, that we were also adopted by the Father so that we may call him Abba, Abba. That is the father who understands or who knows all of our needs. And then finally, the one that I actually kept in my spiritual smoking pipe for a while was that Jesus did not come to die on the cross that we might only be saved and just go to heaven. That there is more to Christian life than just salvation. I'll invite you to just ponder over that for a for a few minutes, that if Christ's purpose is for us, for him to, to get us saved and just go to heaven, we might as, as well have died just at the point of salvation or just transited. But there is more to our salvation than just going to heaven. Than just going to heaven. So that really stuck with me for, um, throughout the week, which means that there is more. Can I ask you to say to your neighbor that there is more? There is more. There is more. Indeed, there is more. There is more. Um, recently, I had the opportunity of going through or reading the God's Generals, and I was really, really, a part of me wept. A part of me was excited because when you see what this man did, how can a man go into a city, and in that city during a time like this, there was no, it was free from any form of, he, he, he actually kept the hospitals out of business. So those were men who understood that in Christ there was more. And my desire, which I've always cried to God is, Lord, I do not want to be a powerless Christian. I want to be able to experience, be able to demonstrate the things that you have made available through the finished work of Christ. It's like a canvas. All we have to do is to express ourselves and take full advantage of the possibilities that the finished work of Christ has offered us. 
So let's go into, this le into today's lesson, and we'll start with the introduction. Um, it's the introduction, just gonna flip into that, spirituality. Yeah, so, um, so as introduction, we tried, we start by defining spirituality, and we define that as the state of getting over the physical nature in order to connect to something mysterious, powerful, bigger than ourselves, bigger than ourselves. The one thing I'll mention here is that life and living is spiritual. Now, if anyone really asks me, and the one thing I've learned is also not to get into arguments, I just say to them that if you think that life is not spiritual, then how then do you, in your dreams, find yourself in multi-locations at different times? So someone might have a dream, and you might see yourself, for instance, in France. You might see yourself in the United Kingdom. How does that happen? Remember that your flesh has gone to sleep, right? and that it's something that is outside of your control that has then taken over. And so you find yourself even in different places. So if you're like me, that you dream a lot, you find yourself in several locations at multiple times within just a few hours without entering a flight. So life indeed is spiritual. Genesis 1.26 tells us that God created man in his own image and after his likeness. And I think in the Amplified Version, it says that man is a spiritual being. So sometimes when you consider even the secular world, you find that many of these guys who come up with all these movies that sometimes excite us, they seem to get the sense that life is really, really spiritual. So there are some movies, for instance, that I have seen that um, a good example is The Matrix, and it really portrays that a man can be physically present here, but in the spiritual is doing mysteries, doing wonders. And so it just shows that there is more to this life than this physical being that we are seeing here. There is more to life than me standing here. There is always a deep longing for a spiritual um, fulfillment, I would say, by every man. A longing to associate himself with a spiritual being. So Jesus said in John 4.24, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. And so this implies that the only way that we can truly connect to the supreme being, to God, is if we press in unto him, if we press more into him. And in this realm, in the kingdom of heaven, nothing moves except we initiate it. So God isn't just going to come. It says that we should call upon him and he will answer us. The first step that is expected of us to take is to call upon him. It says, seek me and you shall find. I mean, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask and it shall be given unto you. So we need to take that first step. John 36, 26 says, God is greater than we can understand. And so being spiritual is really, you know, coming to the realization that we might truly be limited in ourselves. And therefore, in that state of inadequacy, we are constantly seeking to connect to something bigger and more powerful than us, to be able to affect, influence our environment. 
one of the mandates of the kingdom of heaven is that we are influencing our environment by bringing God into the sphere, into the, into the human realm. And so God wants us to influence very greatly wherever we might be in our places of work, um, amongst friends, wherever it might be. If we do not influence, if people cannot feel the influence that we bring, then we need to also check ourselves and say, am I really demonstrating the possibilities that the kingdom of God has to offer? So life and living is spiritual. Can I ask you to say after me that life and living is spiritual? And living is spiritual. Okay. So the next definition we have is well-being. Well-being, on the other hand, can just be a state of, of feeling well. It might be explained as a state of being comfortable, happy, where we experience health, happiness, and prosperity. It's all-inclusive. So... Um, it means it's all rounded. Third John 2 says, and in that, in that verse, Apostle Paul attempts to paint a picture of our spiritual well-being for us. He says, and in his prayer, he says that he prays that we prosper in every way, including spiritual, and that we are continuously enjoying good health, you know, just as our soul is also prospering. So he says, I wish above all that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. So in today's world, and it is indeed a fallen world, where we've got so many things that sponsors um, a lack of well-being. We've got uncertainty, poverty, diseases, lack, war, and fear of death, which means that really in this world, we are not guaranteed our total well-being. So for us to get our well-being, our total spiritual well-being, we have to connect to something greater than us. For us to be able to experience the peace, the prayer, I mean the peace, the wellness that Paul prayed for us to get in 3 John Verse 2. So that prayer suggests that there is a spiritual provision that is channeled through the office of Christ. You know, and it's a state of rest based on the evidential understanding that God has made available unto us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. I like the, there was a video that circulated or that was shared by, I think, Pastor Sam Fagui on the excellent man. Um, WhatsApp group, and he, he, it, it, it really touched on the benefits that the finished work of Christ has to offer, you know. But the one thing that stuck with me, beyond the fact that our debt is fully paid, that um, the judgment that we ought to have been part of has been served, that is the sentence has been served, and that we have victory over the enemy, is the fact that there is something called rest. Rest. And so that stuck with me for most parts, that there is a way that we can attain rest. And rest comes from the understanding that everything that we need as pertaineth unto life and godliness has been provided for us. You know, if, 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 
I mean, I, I, I can only give an example of myself. I, I was a warrior. I could worry for, for even for days and for months on sin. But when I understood that everything was really rigged in my favor, what was it that was sponsoring fear in my life? What was exactly the things that I was running after? If I die today, I go to heaven. It's all rigged in my favor. Totally. There is no loss. We can't lose as Christians. No, we can't lose. What is the most fear that worries us? Is it, is it death? Is it poverty? I, I really can't. I, so once I understood that, everything about fear left. Because I know that if today I am called home, then I have hope that I am going to a place that is much more better. In fact, everyone that has been to heaven, no one wanted to ever come back. No one wanted, no one wanted to come back. So scripture says that if it is in this world that our hope is limited to, then we are the most miserable. So we have to understand that this thing has been rigged right from the beginning. From the beginning that we might experience something much more and just walk in this life as if we have mastered how to, how to navigate it. And I pray that God will open our eyes of understanding in the name of Jesus Christ. So everything, all power and authority given to Christ has been placed at our disposal to exercise over every contrary situation in our lives. Luke ten nineteen says, I have given to you power to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing, 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 nothing. The enemy understands that as children of God, we are supremely advantaged. He cannot make heaven, so he will do everything to ensure that we are distracted, we are deceived, into, not because he has had a taste of that. Scripture says, I think in Ezekiel, it says, how are you falling, thou hellal? He has fallen, he understood the, 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 um, what we stand to gain as Christians. And so everything he wants to do, is to ensure that we do not taste of all that God has planned for us. I'd like you to say to yourself and just say, everything is rigged in my favor. If you believe it, say it, everything is rigged in my favor. Is rigged in my favor. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's look at um, some of our foundational blocks that we have outlined. First, we've said that God is the source. So we sometimes, as believers, go after the resource when God is the source. When God is the source. You know, I remembered that there was a time, and I, I think the only person that can testify to this would be my wife. I would, I would hustle and go around just thinking that it was through that that I could make something for myself, a living. And I would spend several nights out, weekends I was not at home. I was always in one session or the other trying to work out a living. But later I understood that there is as knowledge 
that when that light comes into you, it sponsors possibilities. God's design when he created man for man to have dominion is not to run after things. In the kingdom of heaven, we do not seek after things. Things come to us. And so if you remember that in the book of, I mean, during the flood, the animals came into Noah, right, in their twos. Imagine if Noah had to run after those animals, one after the other. Do you think he would have been able to fulfill that mandate? No. So in the kingdom of heaven, things come to us. We do not run after them. So if we feel that by hustling, hustling is actually a dangerous language that should not even be found in a dictionary as Christians. Because that is the way in which the enemy tries, the devil tries to capture our soul and ensures that we do not have time. God wants us to really, really fellowship with him. And so he has provided everything that we need as pertaineth unto life and godliness. So jobs should come to us. Health should come to us. Everything, money should come to us. Finances should come to us. When we know that we operate in a kingdom where we have a king, then a moment with the king can change our lives forever. All that the king has to do is to wink at you. There are people that are holding the resources that should be for Christians, Christians today. And so um, scripture says that the forces of the Gentiles shall come to us. Our gates shall be open day and night. They shall not be shut. That's what the scripture says. So, God is our source. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God, which means God before everything. God is the source of everything we see. Everything we will ever see. And everything we will ever need. And God wants us to rely on him totally. He says, trust in me. That is what he encourages us. Do not lean on your own understanding. 1 Timothy 6.16 says that God alone is the immortal God. He lives in unapproachable light of divine glory. No one has ever seen his fullness, nor can they. For all the glory and the endless authority of the universe belongs to him forever and ever. So when you see people walking in certain dimensions of the spirit. Trust me, there is more. All that they are just manifesting or expressing is a minute fraction of what, of the possibilities of God. They've just seen a bit of God and they were able to do so much exploit. So a man cannot really boast. There are certain virgin dimensions of God that people have not even pressed into. So it is Folly for any man to think that I have seen the fullness of God. There is always more. And it only, be, it only behoves on us to press in more into him. The more we press in into him, the more it would reveal some other dimensions to us. Things that we, because we are actually like living epistles. And so we are constantly manifesting the possibilities in the kingdom. So it's really wisdom that we are connected to the source. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then we are assured of an endless supply of resources. Um, spirituality, I wrote, noted, noted down here, 
has the ability to change things. Our breakthrough is spiritual. We should therefore stop focusing on the physical things as everything is settled in the spiritual realm. It is settled in the spiritual realm. For instance, the scripture says that the hearts of the kings are in the hands of God. And like the wheels, it controls them. So God can speak to someone and say to him, call up that man tomorrow and give him your house. It is possible. Scripture says it. It's not me thinking. I have actually seen it happen. That the hands of the kings are in God's hands. I remember there was a brother that was looking for a job once. And all of a sudden, he was in his living room, and someone just called him. He ne- he, in fact, the brother is an African, a Nigerian, an immigrant, and then someone called him and says to him, there is a role here, would you be interested? And that deal was sealed in seconds in a living room. So God has the arts of kings, and he can direct them with us whoever he wants. So as believers, I want us to know that our spiritual shopping cart is already preloaded with anything and everything that makes for our total well-being. So we already come to this world, the moment we've accepted the finished work of Christ, with our cart already full with blessings. The challenge most times is how do we translate all those spiritual blessings into this hearth realm and give them expression. And so that's the challenge for most of us as Christians. Scripture says that we have been blessed by the Father with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Are we still together? Are we blessed? Amen. Okay, so the new covenant, I'm I'm moving on to the next um, topic, gives us that legal access to spiritual well-being. And we define covenant as a system of authorization and agreement between two parties. You know, um, in a covenant, there are mutual benefits and consequences if the terms are adhered to or violated respectively. We enter into a blood covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ the moment we accept the finished work of Christ. Propitiation, redemption, and reconciliation. And that was really touched on last week. I'd like us to know that as as believers, we've got, we are passport holders of the kingdom of God. So we've got two passports. The passport of this world and then a passport of the kingdom of heaven. The passport of the kingdom of heaven is backed by the sovereignty of God's kingdom. Where God is the king, God reigns supreme. The God that, is, that owns everything. Scripture says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything on this earth is the Lord. So we owe that passport. And if you look at... So I, I took a look into my own passport, and what I saw there was that I am a citizen, that is my earthly passport, of a particular country, backed by the sovereignty of that country. And I was asked to be accorded the rights and privileges of that country. 
Okay? For as long as I obey the terms and I do not violate any one of them. And that's really, really powerful. So when you hold a passport, you are like an ambassador of that country and you are entitled to the rights and privileges of that. So you would find that, so I remember there was a movie I saw once and then there was a lady that was in danger in another country and you know how she was being chased and how all she was asked to do was to run into the United States Embassy and she ran and she ran and she shouted, I'm an American citizen and the gates opened and then it shut and then the person chasing her was asked to back off. And so that is some of the things you see. There is divine protection based on that passport that we hold. So as we recognize that we are passport holders of the kingdom of God, we should start to think and say, what privileges am I entitled to as a result of this passport that I'm holding? As a result of my being a citizen of the kingdom of God. So, the covenant powered by the finished work of Christ entitles a believer to everything that pertains unto life and godliness, everything that you could ever imagine or hope for. And that was also covered sometime, I mean, last week as well. Romans 8.15, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba Father. Romans 8.23 says, We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us all our full rights as his adopted children. Full rights. I, under, I underlined full rights. And I think that is in um, NLT version. Full rights as God's adopted, as his adopted children, which means that we may not even be conscious that we have rights. Even if we do, we may not be exercising the full rights. Full rights. First Peter 2 9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Priests, in the, in the Passion Translation, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted one. He has called each and every one out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims us as his very own. Now, why did he do so? He did so that we would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. Glorious wonders throughout the world. It means we are chosen generation, priests who are kings. You know, I was listening to someone yesterday, and he says that for like eight months, he locked himself in a room, and all he did was just soaking in the power of God and just, you know, waiting on God and so on. The product of that was when he steps out, and this is a young man, I mean young. When he steps out, it just is that people start to confess their sins. People start to cry. They feel very, um, you know, they, it's almost like they just feel like, like sinners around him. He had that power over them. And so I remember that Smith Wigglesworth also worked in that kind of dimension. That wherever he went to, he found that people started to cry, started to weep. And I was like, wow. That is another dimension that we have to press into. How nice would it be that people at our workplace see us and they just see something unique, something very different, 
something about us that begs for for them to connect to something greater. And then we can use that opportunity to manifest Christ. I ask that God's possibilities will be manifested through our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. And that God's kingdom will truly, truly come through us in our sphere of influence in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I'll move on to the dimensions of spiritual well-being very quickly. Um, that we are citizens of God's kingdom doesn't necessarily mean that we are exploring or using up all the privileges that are available to us. You know, all that is available that makes for our well-being. And so there might be two dimensions of access to this spiritual well-being. First is positional, and that's as a result of our status. And this refers to any privilege available to a believer as a result of accepting the finished work of Christ. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that if any man be in Christ, old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And then there's the relational peace that refers to any privilege available to a believer as a result of intimacy with the Father. When God created man, God would always come down in the cool of the day to fellowship with them. That was the original design. Have dominion fellowship with God, have dominion, fellowship with God. But the moment we abdicated, the moment we gave our dominion to the enemy, then men ceased in that fellowship that God had designed us to. And so one of the reasons why Christ was sent was to restore that fellowship with the Father. Um, so like the initial analogy that I gave, two persons may hold the same passport, but they may not take advantage of the rights and the privilege the same way. Is that true? Yeah. So some persons may have say, oh, I want a blue passport, for example. Now, one person may just have access to that passport because he was either born in that country or just needs the passport to be able to carry out certain transactions. Another person, on the other hand, may say, I need this passport because I want to see the world. The level of usage, of usance of that passport and the depth of knowledge that is, um, that is sponsored as a result of digging deep and searching to be able to maximize that passport is different for those two individuals. So there is more to just being a positional, superficial child of God there is a dimension of well-being that can be accessed by relationship. When I build a personal relationship with you, I know things that ordinarily from a distance I wouldn't know about you. The way I know my wife is different from how I would know someone else. She can almost say, oh, he's upset, he's happy, and so on and so forth. So God is calling us into that dimension of relationship with him where we can then press in to, to understand and pull from the possibilities that God can invest in a man. All that we need is that God just invest a resource in a man. Just one resource. It says, and I, if I be lifted up, it says, I will draw all men. God can invest a part of him into a man that will start to draw all men. And everyone would come wanting to mine because you are, 
you are carrying a possibility, a resource of the kingdom of God. So Romans 8.15 again says, We too wait with eager hope when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, as new citizens. I'd like to say again, I'd like you to say to, your, to the person next to you and say, there is more. There is more. If there is anything that you will take out from this today, I'd like you to know that there is more. Where we are is not where we can possibly be. There is more in the kingdom of God, and I'd like for us to press into that. So positional, in Colossians 1.13 says, God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Ephesians 1.7 says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. But God doesn't stop there. Rather, he invites us to press into a deeper dimension. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Philippians 3.10 says, um, and that's Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I have had many testimonies, experiences of people that have encountered Christ. I long for that kind of experience and encounter. It is life-changing. Colossians 3.1 says, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, it says, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Ephesians 3.18 says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. It says, How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. That just shows that God operates in several dimensions. Um, I'll move on to very quickly. No, before I do that, I remember that there was um, a quote pastor made. I, I wasn't sure if it was on Sunday or when. He says, revelation is where God was. That truth is where God is. And so scripture says that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Because it's only the Spirit that can guide us into all truth. That would help us walk you know, walk after the footsteps of Christ. Where is exhale becomes our, in our breath, the, the breath that we take in. Otherwise, if we live in the realm of revelation, the, we might be, you know, we, we would not be entirely wrong, but we might not be current with, we might not be in tandem with the current moves of God for a time like this. So keys to activating our total spiritual well-being. The first key, is knowledge. Knowledge. And that is being aware of your kingdom privileges. Knowledge. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of information. And the light that that information sponsors. Scripture says the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. So, dominion is based on sufficient knowledge. There is a level of knowledge for dominion to be manifested. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a level of knowledge for dominion to be manifested. I remember I had a friend who was one of the guys that challenged me. He had effortless results. And so I would study his life and wonder what was it that this, there was something this guy was doing that was giving him results. Now, he might not be aware, but there is something that you also can do that can give you results. And those things are best found out in your secret place. It's not something that they are unique to you. There are things that I know that give me my results today. I'm not comfortable with where I am, but there are things that I cannot share with you because they are my secrets. So, dominion is a function of what we know. The proof of true knowledge is the deliverance that it brings and the result it delivers. Sometimes those things might seem foolish, but they are the things that sponsor the results that we see. Knowledge, for many people, also gives the anointing the efficacy. You know, um, the way demon, demon, demons really influence men is through deception. And what they do is they take advantage of gaps in knowledge. Gaps in knowledge or the ignorance of it. Romans 1.21 says, Although they knew God, they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. We have authority over everything, as God has given to us in, in Luke ten nineteen. But the demons usually look for gaps in our knowledge. There is, a, there is some knowledge that you will come into that would end every form of attack spiritual in our life. It's a knowledge that sponsors that. The dev demons are very crafty. And they trigger you. They look for your responses. They, 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 I mean, they put that into their data bank. And they always use that to program men. So there are many things that we, we don't know or we can't know about our privileges. Which is why God sent the Holy Spirit. He says there is much more in John 16, 12 that I want to tell you. But you can't bear it now. But when the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all truth. Our responsibilities as believers is to know what controls or what buttons to press that would afford us our dominion. And I wanted to just ask that did you know that you know, a transgressor is really not a sinner, but is one that violates God's principles? You know, so it's really not that that person sins, but it's just a violator of certain principles, whether knowingly or unknowingly, of God's ordinances. So Proverbs 13 verse 5 says that good understanding gives favor. But it says the way of transgressors is hard, which means there is a kind of understanding that you can get that would sponsor favor in one's life. And favor is multidimensional. Favor with God, favor with man. And the sign of arrival mentality is, I mean, arrival mentality is a sign that there is insufficient knowledge. When people start to pride in their achievements or knowledge of God, it means that there is already insufficient knowledge. In fact, the moment you start acting that way, it stops the flow of the revelatory dimension of God. 
In the kingdom of God, man initiates the first step before God moves. It's really a partnership. God will not show us what we don't want to see. God will not tell us where we don't, what, what we don't want to hear. God will not take us where we are not ready to go. We must be ready to create, to, uh, to make the sacrifices for us to be able to see those things that God indeed wants us to see and to hear his voice. We must be ready to press our heart <clears throat> excuse me, against his heart, to hear his heartbeat and that we may be aligned. So how can we then become aware of our privileges? One, by delighting ourselves in the study of the word of God. The word reveals the truth. Honestly, there is so much. It's, it's very good to listen to anointed messages and so on. But we have also a responsibility. The essence of those messages is to sponsor an hunger within us that we might then, as students, start to search through the scriptures to find those things that afford for our dominion as individuals on this earth. We have to have a personalized journey. Scripture says, study to show thyself approved, right? A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must read, we must hear, we must think, we must speak, we must believe, we must practice the word of God. Scripture says, the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. The word of God is a method of spiritual education that makes one begins to operate by the standards, the mindset, and the culture of God. So that means that we can possibly be bereft in certain areas of life or bankrupt as a result of lack of knowledge. Osea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. So it means that in any area of our lives that is not consistent with the character of Christ, it's mostly sponsored by ignorance. You know, and then Luke 19 verse 41 says, Jesus wept over a city saying, If thou had known, even thou at least, in, thy, in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, the things which belong unto thy fulfillment, the things which belong unto thy joy, the things which belong unto your promotion and so on, but they are now hid from thine eyes. So we must search. We must be like a spiritual archaeologist. Number two, we also have to enforce our spiritual well-being. And this is really speaking about, is, is touching on the mystery of words. Our power, our words represent, you know, a powerful technology for establishing and activating the terms of the covenant in our lives and our sphere of influence. Creation started with words. The Holy Spirit begins to operate based on the spoken word of God. Our words represent our address in the spirit realm. Our words represent our address in the spirit realm. Mark eleven twenty three says, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. But it says, whoever shall say, that is it. Matthew 12, 37 says, by the mouth, 
By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by it thou shalt be condemned. John 1.3 says, All things were made by him, the word, and without him was not anything made that was made. So I encourage you to activate your spiritual well-being. So someone might say that, well, I have been studying the word, but yet I still do not get the kind of revelation that it sponsors. I would say to you, press on. It is a journey. Let's not be overly, you know, sometimes this world, what we expect is, it's a microwave generation where we expect instant gratification. And so that was why the message even of, of, of Sunday really ministered to me. It says, wait, right? Because the glory will soon be revealed, you know? So keep on. Somewhere along the line, consistency is a language in the spirit realm. After a while, you would find that vistas of revelation is open to you. I mean, I was also in that level until a point when I opened my Bible and I started to cry. When it gets to that point, you know that something has been sponsored in your life to open your eyes. You can only press into that. So I would just encourage you, just give it time, but be consistent. And consistency doesn't mean that you should stay with your Bible and read 24-7. It just means create a regular schedule of a pattern of study that you will be faithful towards. Um, in conclusion, because I see that I have um, time is up, I'd like us to just ponder over some of these things, how we should seek after knowledge and ensure that we enforce our spiritual well-being. Enforcing those things through our words might even mean simply just getting post-it notes and write scriptures and put them all over your houses. And as you are moving around, you are seeing them, you are internalizing them, you are chewing on them, and you are meditating in it day and night. So as, uh, in conclusion, I would ask that we make this declaration together with me. And I would start, I would read them here, and then you can say them with me or after me. The first one will declare and establish a victory over Christ. I mean, a victory, sorry, Christ's victory over Satan and all powers of darkness. We'll say, I am empowered. I am empowered. I'd like you to say it like you mean it. I am empowered to establish Christ's victory over Satan, over demons, over all powers of darkness. I create my realities from the word of God. I have the life of God in me. I walk in the spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I am walking in the consciousness of the authority of Jesus Christ. I decree and declare that every spirit that is not of God harboring my body, spirit, and mind, I cast you out. I decree and declare every spirit that is not of God harboring my body and spirit be casted out. Every attribute of the flesh that is giving access to demons in my life, let them die. Every attribute of the flesh giving access to demons in my life, let them die. In the name of Jesus Christ. I'd just like us to take a prayer and say, Father, let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened. I'd like you to just say that prayer wherever you might be and say, Father, 
Open the eyes of my understanding. Let it be enlightened. Let me see you truly for who you are. You are the only one that can reveal yourself to a man. Lord, let the eyes of my understanding be truly, truly opened that I might see the possibilities in the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, open up the wells of understanding within me that your word may truly find expression in my life and in my destiny. Shall we just say that prayer? Father, we